Today's episode is brought to you by Myro. Get 50% off your first order and get started today for just $5. Visit mymyro.com slash brain candy and use promo code brain candy. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Welcome Ooh, to, a good one. <laughs> to the Brain Candy Podcast, episode 280. We are in the middle of December already. Things are happening. Mm-hmm. This is bonkers. I don't know. The weather outside is not frightful. Not it's actually rather delightful. Yeah. I know. I, I think it's yeah. frightful elsewhere. You were complaining last episode about our, like, whatever you want to call it, about how I, like, never use an umbrella. But I will say I have received a lot of sunburns. Oh, right. That's so I think the hazard. It all evens out in the end. And you know what heavy rain doesn't come with? Long-term sun damage that makes you look older. <laughs> no, just chronic depression. Okay, there you go. Either <laughs> way, we're we're grow, we're getting old. That's a good question. Would you rather be depressed a lot of your life or just look like garbage? Oh my god. But be fine uh, with it. Look like garbage. Really? Like oh yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. That is a real tough I'm choice totally okay for me. With that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. <laughs> well, because you would think looking like garbage would then make you depressed, but maybe it wouldn't. Mm, of course, there's like, oh, every now and then, there's like a perfect storm mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, we'll call it, uh, lack of self care and like. Yeah basic maintenance that happens to me where (laughs) my roots will be way too long. My, all the areas on my body need to be waxed and it simultaneously coincides with my period. And when that happens, forget it. It's like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're a monster. You know what is annoying though? Like, first of all, you always look nice. And also we went out the other night together and remember how, did you catch when I caught the photographer staring at you? Were you privy to that? No, I did. No, I did not. So you were having a conversation with our friend Patrick and across from me was the photographer and you were going on and on about the movie and whatever. And the guy was looking at you like his eyes had glazed over like, Oh my God. And I knew she could make me happy, happy. <laughs> it's just because I told him I liked his beard. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I set him up. And I called him out. I'm like, dude, are you okay? You glazed over. And he's like, you caught me. I was just mesmerized. So this is what happens oh when I go out with Sarah. It's like people lose their mind. <laughs> they can't even, you don't even notice, which is very nice and you're very humble, but wow. you have mm-hmm. a real effect on people. Oh my gosh, Suze. Well, I think maybe you just bring it out in me or something. I don't think what do we call it? So la- I have to tell people this because we discovered something about my BDE. Yes. Sarah has that, it. But Sometimes. I'm a grower, not a shower. <laughs> right. That's what Susie says. So I only have it every now and then. And, uh, you know, I got to be warmed up first. And then okay, when it's. Wait. Uh, so what happened was, as you guys know, I love the actor Patrick Fabian, and he was kind enough to invite Sarah and I to his movie premiere. And so I was like, Sarah, I'm, you know, I'm just a little nervous because I've never actually met him in real life, and I just adore him. And I mean, Sarah's BDE came out so hard. <laughs> 
And because pun intended, remember when she said she does not have BDE or claimed like that was situational? Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it was like I was on a date with you and you were like the dude and you took over. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll, I'll get you that popcorn. I'll get you that <laughs> glass of wine you want. What happened I might eat all to your you? Popcorn. What happened in that moment? I, I don't know. Maybe it's like you, you put me in the dry and like, you're like, here, here, take the reins. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I will. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes like I think in, in environments where I feel the most, um, maybe not insecure, but like, it's the most unknown mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like I don't have any expectations or don't know what's going to be. Yeah. It's like a fake it till you make it kind of thing yes. where it's like, okay, we're in survival mode right now. I got to just be like this, like my on look, because I'm not like that when Landon's like, yeah. you know, we're traveling and he's running the show. It's like, I can kick back and relax. It takes energy. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like drained afterwards because I'm like, whoo, everything about whoo, you changed I did a lot though. of your swinging, your posture changed, your gait changed. You were walking like with your big dick swinging, like, nope. I think that was the pants. <laughs> Maybe it was. Susie said she liked my pants and, and I do that in, in certain pants, high-waisted wide leg trousers that are kind of <laughs> like, like that. And I also do it in like cowboy boots, like, a. Or like riding boots. Like when I have my boots on, oh, I used to work at a beauty supply store. And whenever I would wear the boots, they'd be like, uh-oh, she's got the boots on today. It's going to be a big sale, big sale day. <laughs> I would like sell more when I had the boots on. I mean, it's real, it's real handy that you have that happen yeah. to you. I'm kind of yeah. jealous. But I, I need to like look at that and think what. I mean, I would say. It's kind of like Halloween. What? what? Oh, you're like putting you wear on the a costume? mask. Yeah, mm, you know. I see. If I dress like slutty cheerleader, <laughs> somebody's getting boned. Right, because it, it was like when we were in Brazil, when you took over and we were lost, and you were like, no, it's no problem, and all of a sudden you were like my tour guide yeah. in a country you'd never visited. I go visited. into survival mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, like I got it. We're going right here. Here's the thing. And when I'm in, un- I I broke my own rule when I was in Italy and ended up yes, getting sexually was, assaulted yeah. by that guy. But r- the rule is always, you know, look like you know where you're going, yeah. you know what you're doing. Walk with and purpose. You can beat anybody up. Walk with a purpose. If you do need some uh, ass kicking boots or some awesome high waisted pants, you should definitely try Poshmark. If you haven't yet, you're missing out. This app and website is so great for if you want to list stuff that you're getting rid of out of your closet. Or if you are looking for something you want to buy and you want to get a deal, how much do we love this Poshmark situation, Sarah? I mean, why why have if you haven't tried it? I mean, come on. I should tell everybody that you can go to my store right now because my husband's clothes are all listed on there, many of which have their tags on, and they will make excellent Christmas presents, Ooh, all of idea. which I will have shipped out to you ASAP because they're already almost boxed up and ready to go. Yeah. If you want to check it out, you should use our referral code, which is I'm Sarah Rice, and that also happens to be Sarah's closet name. She lists all kinds of like challenge gear and her regular clothes yes. and her husband's clothes. I have tons of clothes up, lots of them as well have uh, tags and you can make an offer and my policy is everything must go so make me an offer and then you can get an even better deal and I get to clean out my closet and then buy more stuff 
That's what I'm saying. So yes. Just, Ooh, I love that. Just a reminder. So here's the deal. If you use that referral code, I'm Sarah Rice, you get $5 off your first purchase, which is great because a lot of the things are super cheap anyway. So you get an even better deal. And then uh, my closet is Susie Meister and Sarah's closet is I'm Sarah Rice. Give that a try. Sarah's been buying a lot of stuff on there. Oh my God. Don't call me out. Well, no, I, I like it because I'm... I. But okay, when good. I uh, mentioned the other time that you should get Doc Martens, I think I'm going to get Doc Martens on there too. Oh my God, you should. What color do you say, think I should you... get though? Oh, I think you'd be kind of, I think it would be kind of cute for you to have those, re- like there's like a cranberry yeah, red color. Yeah, I like color. those ones. Those are cute. I think that would look cute on you. Um, what was I, like what do you have on your Christmas list that you're, uh, oh my God. uh, like what, like shopping in Poshmark for, like, what are the things that you are, I've you're, become like, obsessed with rings looking for with rings. Yes. Oh, that's fun. Well, cause I just feel like you can almost wear anything. And if your jewelry's on point, people think you're all dressed up. Yes. I love that with the big <laughs> statement necklace and just a white tank top. Yeah. So I got a bunch of rings that I just ordered actually, and they'll be coming in and I'll take some pictures. You guys can see them. Mm, cool. Um, wait, let me see. I wanted to, oh, this is kind of similar. Do you want to know what Kate Middleton keeps mm. in her purse? Oh, yes. She can I guess? four items. Do you want to guess what they are first? Okay. Yes. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Let me yes. pull this up. I'm going to guess Let's see. Uh, some kind of hand cream or hand lotion. Oh, interesting. A breath mint mm. thing. And maybe lip gloss. Very good. And I would also say like, is it like a toothpick or dental floss? That's me. Or- <laughs> That's you? I'm obsessed with floss. Oh, yeah. it's Well, it's really important. It really is, but nobody ever carries it. Oh, I keep it in the in my center console of my car, those little picks. Me too. So does Matt Neroni. Oh, shout out to Matt Neroni. <laughs> he really does, though. Okay, here's what she keeps in her bag. Yeah. You yeah, got lip yeah. balm because that she keeps that in her bag. Um, she keeps a compact mirror, which okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she the she also keeps a handkerchief, which is a great idea. Ooh. Because you yeah. never know. Like if you gotta blow your You nose, seem like a handkerchief uh, type. You know I am. I have like a million anti you know, from my grandma oh, so um so. handkerchiefs. I always have one on hand. And then mm. the fourth thing I was like, wait, what? I don't get it. Is, what is blotting it? paper. You know how women use those? Oh my God, Suze, that was going to be my first guess. Why? I should what have fucking said that. I should have, because she gets photographed all the time and doesn't want to look shiny. Who is looking and powder shiny though? Creates, creates like a powdery residue that, and you also have to use like a tool and you could risk getting it on your shirt. I, oh my God, I wish I could go back in time and just say that. I would have said it. <laughs> I knew that. I fucking knew it. But wait a minute. Do you think this is mostly for... Just like people who have oily skin? Because who is No, using I think these? it's mostly for people. I think a lot more people than you think. I Well, and people with oily skin. Like that's something that at the end of the day, I would really like to have in my... Get out of here. Yeah. And what do you do? I think just if you go all day face. without touching your makeup, you just kind of like blot it. But in California, because it's... Sta- uh, I think it's a state law that all public restrooms have to have those toilet seat covers. Mm. Toilet seat covers work Excellent as blotting paper in a pinch. That is hilarious. 
Yeah, there's something about that material that absorbs oil, but not wa- like makeup. Well, or... that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. How did you discover so, that? The toilet paper thing? Oh my gosh, I read. It's like some it's life the, hack. Yeah, that like, but not even one that I've learned recently. Like this is something I've known for since before life hacks were called life. Ha- like we called them that. Do you think Kate Middleton has a cell phone? Oh. She must. Oh, I wonder what her screen time is. Probably, <laughs> I mean, I think she does, but I don't think she's like. What is your screen time? Your average screen time? Oh, dude, I don't even want to look. I've been online shopping like a maniac, and I've been not be- not able to sleep recently. I bet I'm up to like three plus hours a day. What do you want? to Guess what mine is? Oh, I bet yours isn't as much as I think it is. Three and a half hours. Five and a half. Oh, okay. Well, it's holidays and it's what you do for work. So it makes sense. No, it's not holidays. I love you. That is not well, why. Well, I don't know. I feel like on the holidays, you get like, you, there's like more, you need to be on the phone more because there's like looking at Christmas stuff. There's a lot of reasons to be, I don't know. Well, I, I read on my phone. All my books now are on my phone. So that's a lot of it. Oh, that's my number go. one app yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't stand reading on the phone. It really bugs me. I know what you mean. I had to get used to it. But once I realized you could highlight passages and make notes, I was like, oh, this is so handy for me. Oh, that is good. Well, and you can like add, oh, yeah, three hours and 13 minutes is my average. That's actually higher than I would expect because you are not a phone person. Yeah, no, I'm not. Well, and I, uh, I just don't have a lot of opportunity during some... D- times to during use it. the like, day if i'm at the clinic i just like yeah it's it's mainly between the hours of 10 p.m and 2 a.m that I i'm think doing it's funny how all my phone work sarah will sometimes <laughs> text me to be like i am not going to be available for like three hours <laughs> because i'm constantly texting her <laughs> like i feel bad for you because you have to let me know Why? Like, you're like suze I'm, oh. it's like you're my caretaker <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm here for you, but I need to go dark for like six hours. Sarah is the best gift finder though. How not gift, oh. gif. <laughs> oh, gif. Oh, thank you. I was like, well, yes, I do spend a lot of time finding the perfect gift, but G I F. Yes. I, uh, pride myself on my ability to speak in gifts. Do you see them and then think, I'm going to save that? Or do you just know? How do you know about them all? They're so funny. Well, I have a, I have a, a GIF like keyboard installed. Oh, my God. So on my phone, like when I text you, I have, there's like, just like how the emojis come up. I need as that. As an option. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you, right? It's called Tenor, T-E-N-O-R. All right, I'm going to get that. And then um, it'll let you search by category. So you can click on like oh whatever or annoyed or <laughs> you can like just type in. So like I typed in for that one. I just sent Susie at one of like a girl drinking Chardonnay, like one of the ho- <laughs> real housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, like drinking a glass of wine, going like whatever. I do what I want or, or I don't know what she said, something like that. And uh, I just typed in whatevs and that was what <laughs> gave me that option. It made so me so So you got to be happy. creative with what you type in. I guess that's... Oh, a, they make me happy too. It's probably a millennial thing. I, I did read this oh, article um, this morning actually about... You know how they always say that millennials ruin everything? You know, like napkins and... Um, Avocados. Yeah, right. Well, now the latest thing is that... Um, 
the tuna manufacturers, tuna fish, that put it, yeah. you know, canned tuna, they're blaming the fact that they say millennials don't have can openers, which is they claim why their numbers are dwindling. <laughs> That's not true. It's because nobody wants to eat tuna fish sandwiches. <laughs> Except you. Which is weird because Landon asked me what I would like for lunch today, and I said a tuna fish sandwich, and he's making me a tuna fish. It probably is already made. You do love tuna fish more than the average person, though. I fucking love it. Why do I love tuna fish so much? Well, I don't know, because apparently this is a millennial problem where I don't think it's the can openers. I no. think it's... Do you think we have guilt about the, the dolphin thing, and it's like people don't want to eat it because now they associate tuna with, like... Do you think it's that? I do. I think it's that. I think so, too. And the fact that it smells and, like, where are we going to eat it? We're always on the go. We don't want to eat it in our car. Oh, true. And even if you're putting it in a work refrigerator, like, I always eat it in a place where I'm not, like, in the main, op- uh, you know, like, main computer area where everybody else is. In the main office in the clinic, I, I eat it in, like, the lunchroom. Yeah, like, away you'll from buy it on your way to my like house, and then you'll just eat it in the car or something. Like, you won't even bring it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except when I do, and then I always forget it in the fridge. So you probably have, like sandwiches of mine you've had to throw away <laughs> that's for sure but that's i just think for sure. i think it's funny though when companies won't just like take stock and look at their own maybe failings and how they haven't adapted to yeah. changing times and just be like yeah millennials don't have can openers i'm pretty sure they do jackass right. yeah we de- i mean how uh, yes I'm and you can buy them in the pouch with. and stuff like that fuck off yeah and but I have re- noticed that I was definitely uh, uh, conscious about what kind of tuna I bought. And I did not want to buy the, you know, I bought like the low mercury, like naturally yes. cut or whatever it is, like no trolling or netting or whatever they right. call it. I think, I think it's trolling. Well, and um, that's the thing is that millennials are, are more conscious consumers. And if you are a more yeah. conscious consumer, you want to try Myro deodorant, which is so nice oh, because ooh, it's natural yeah. and doesn't have the chemicals that people, you know, are not feeling good about. No parabens, no And aluminum. it's effective. Yeah, it actually works. So you smell like a dream boat. Yes. And you can pick a scent. You can pick the case and the color. Um, and then you get a refresh every three months delivered straight to your door. So like the, the case you reuse. So that's nice and con- you know, socially conscious yes. and, um, the sense you can change up, you can get, change your mood, whatever you're feeling good for the planet and it works. And here's the deal. You can get 50% off your first order. Get started today for just $5. Visit mymyro.com slash brain candy and use promo code brain candy to get 50% off your first order for just five bucks. That's really great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Come on. And it's delivered right to you. You're never going to run out and smell like a beast. Um, I just love the, the scents that they have, I think are so good because I don't want to smell like different. Yeah, I don't want to smell like that pow- like what baby powder, weird, or like a field of flowers or whatever the heck they have. These are more like... A <laughs> field of flowers. Yeah, they're all, and they always have some weird name, like sunset... You know, <laughs> These are so really nice. Like they have really good, good stuff. stuff in there. You can get like ginger, there's like uh, citrus, there's all kinds of goodies. Um, yes, I think a sandalwood one I really love. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Yeah, I really love it. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I'm sick of people blaming millennials for everything, even though I sometimes do it, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, did you 
read about the Russian cannibal couple? What? Oh <laughs> my god. I can't even deal with that. What is happening? Tell me everything. Not okay. <laughs> Not okay. So there was this couple in Russia who got caught because they had discarded a cell phone. And I don't know how it ended up in the street, but these construction workers picked it up and were looking at the pictures. And boy, did they get an eyeful. They were pictures of these dead people. There was even a picture of one uh, beheaded person, like a head. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. They left this cell phone, like somebody found this and this was whole... And there was like a platter with a head oh. on it with like vegetables and fruit around it. Like crudite. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and it's a couple? Yes. It's a, and they were. This really proves that there is somebody for everybody out there. There's a lid for every pot. There's a lid for everybody. They would give these people sedatives, evidently. And there was a lot of people too. I think at Dude. least 30. And okay, as if that wasn't bad enough, you're gonna die. But they skinned Stop. them alive. Oh my god! I know. What the fuck is wrong with people? Can you? I just this don't is get like it. when you see this. I don't, this is like when you see this on Criminal Minds or some shit like that, and, and you're you like, think mm, that good this thing this is a television happen. show because yeah. this would never happen, except that it does. Okay, Dude. you're the therapist. Now put on Dude. that hat just for a second to help me and the listeners oh, understand. Man. I don't know what the devil is. I, it just what is that psychosis? What? I mean, it's got. There's. I don't. I have no idea. I think that's so out of my scope of competency and practice. <laughs> I can't even begin to speak on why that I I don't have this is not like what did I get right the other day like or last oh yeah week? I, the needles and the strawberry this is not this is not that because mm-hmm. I have no clue what would mm, the only thing that I know is like the couple combo like the yes the, the alpha and the submissive like the you know that that there's something to that of yeah i get what you're saying and how it like just play they play off of each other and but like do you think it's like sex stuff though no i bet it's more like there's got to be something that they've gotten in their mind like this is like a ritual for something like that it it's like gives you life or it, it's kind of like that, you know, that drinking of the blood stuff. Like, I, I feel like they've got to have, just like how we were talking about in another episode about how the brain's job is like yes. to convince you that what you're doing is the right thing. Like, they, they have some def- defense for why this is, I, do, I don't, couldn't imagine what it could be. I know, you right. Know? Well, and that's the thing. Like, when I, you know how I write to the serial killers and stuff, and I really mm-hmm. love getting insight about like when they write back they usually answer my questions and i really appreciate it because i think it's very hard for you know sane folks to even get to the place where they could understand yet that clearly we're interested because there's this true crime obsession but Mm -hmm. they never provide enough for me to be like okay i get it With the exception, I would say, of the Unabomber who 
he believed yeah. in this philosophy and he thought this was the best way to get attention. Now, obviously, yeah. I disagree with him, but okay, that's a reason. But for a lot of mm-hmm. them, I guess unless it's sexual, I, I'm baffled. I, uh, maybe there's maybe this is like a bio. Maybe it's just goes down to like some biological urge. You mean like their their brain waves got? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who knows, dude? I don't know. I'm gonna put that in the newsletter because even though I'm, I probably should have done a trigger warning. So I'm. Wow, I have a post. They eat each other. That's the like. I mean, when I think that's why a lot of people get into like Jeffrey Dahmer, he's a very, you know, intriguing character because he would have normal conversations, but then he's like eating people. Oh my God. Oh, I love when you're outraged. I got to say. I am. I like, and I, I may think twice about biting my nails today. Wow. You think of it in the same category? I don't know. I think about that sometimes because sometimes I like pick at my cuticles, like when I have a hangnail. Oh, and you're so interesting. I definitely am like, nope, bleh, get that. It feels like I can't like, oh God, well, can you imagine eating your own skin? Well, I've bleh. heard people compare, you know how you'll say to a kid like, or even your partner, you'll be like, I love you so much. I could eat you up. I want to eat you up. Mm. And how maybe it's that, but like times a million. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, Suze. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Because I do know that there's a, there's an actual thing in our brain that happens. Ooh, I feel like I want to Google this real quick. So, you know, it's, it's mostly in women. Men do not have this. Okay. Or at least not that I know of where when we see a baby, we want to bite their like chubby. Yes, that, 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 okay. That's a real urge. And it, it like hit somebody said where did i hear this that it's the same part of your brain that that tells you that you're like hungry mm-hmm. or mm, i'm gonna just google why do we want to bite babies <laughs> if that for real if me. we ever get okay, charged all with I, a crime all I typed that's true that's true but all i typed is why do we want to bite and it says our loved ones our babies <laughs> things we love oh my god and the first article that comes up is from scientific american so it, it was not weird things. Okay. Wow. Okay. It says the urge to nibble cute creatures might be a case of getting one's wires crossed. Yep. In a recent study, researchers, researchers performed functional magnetic res, uh, resonance imaging scans on women who unwitting, unwittingly sniffed newborn infants. The mm-hmm. odor activated reward-related areas of the brain, the same regions that trigger a pl- pre- pleasurable rush of dopamine when we get our hands on a desirable bit of food. Wow. A similar neural effect was reported in an early study when women viewed images of babies. Okay. And then the last thing, the research suggests that to some degree, our brains respond in a parallel way when perceiving cuteness and seeking food. Mm-hmm. Huh. See? Wow. Our and wires it says a are kind crossed. of friendly social biting may be part of our evolutionary heritage. Maybe that's why you bite your cheek. <gasps> I do do that. You do? Oh my you God. like that feeling? That. Oh, it's, it gets especially worse when I'm... I substituted biting my nails for biting my cheek. And now I'm like, well, that's not good. Maybe I should start tapping on the steering wheel of my car when I drive or something. I gotta like... <laughs> 
do something that's not like eating my own body. Well, maybe the the explanation for something like the Russian cannibal couple then is as simple as their wires got crossed, but just in a more extreme way. And then it was exacerbated by a partner who had the same bizarre malfunction. Wow. Who knows? Yeah. There's a a primatologist named Susan Perry who's at the University of uh, California, Los Angeles, and she and her colleagues have seen capuchin monkeys bite one another in these like seemingly re- uh, ritualistic ways where they clamp down on fingers hard enough to trap them, but apparently causing no pain. And they think that the monkeys are testing their social bonds this way and sending the message of like, I'm uh, like, I'm so trustworthy. You can stick your finger in my mouth and I won't even hurt you. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's like a way of them to say, like, don't worry, you're safe with me because, look, I can, put, I can put your finger in my mouth that would be a yes. way of me to hurt somebody it's else. Like and a, I don't even want like to. Um, trust fall. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I get, oh, I do that to Landon sometimes. I'm like, come here, I'm gonna, I need to bite you. And when I do, yeah. I get that dopamine rush. And I'm like, oh, it's like drugs. Yep, and he's like, like, you're that. such a weirdo. See? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love it. And I think it's got to only be in women. I don't know if men have this. Well, I know something else I love and is for women is third love bras. Love them. Perfect fit. As you guys know, I was ready to give up on bras altogether because whatever. But then I finally found one that fit and I was like, oh, I don't have to actually go go around braless. I can wear one that feels good and is comfortable, high quality. They have a 100% fit guarantee. Sarah, did you try the new cotton collection yet? No, That's not what you need. yet. I got my lace one, though, the, and it feels sexy, sexy. I think you'll love it. The cotton one I got, it's so great, and it's so comfortable. It's incredibly soft, smooth, breathable bras. You'll want to wear them every day, finally. Um, and uh, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash brain now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash brain for 15% off today. I, I'm never going to wear another one. I'm sold. They're so great. And let me tell you, everybody's probably wearing the wrong bra size. Why? I know. What is with that? Because I was. I was an enti- I thought I was a 34 or 36 A. Uh-uh, yeah. I'm a 32 B. Oh, weird. Yeah. And now you got the and right these fit. these fit way better. And I'm like, oh, there are my boobs. Her boobs are happy now. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Okay, wait. Speaking of shopping for stuff, I have just to vent about yeah. some stuff. I have to vent about Christmas shopping. What? And like, ugh, the I there are like a thousand things that annoy me about this. This I swear that stores like big box boxers like Target and even like Nordstrom and Macy's, they have changed the way that they lay out the store, like the the way that they put up clothes and how much stock they keep and everything to make you have a million fucking trips to their store. Like, why? What do you mean? So here's what I think is going on. So (laughs) I'm noticing that at a place like Target, they have way more options, like a ton of items, a ton of variety, but only a limited stock out of every one. So rather than having like 20 
sweatshirts in a range of sizes. They have like five and, you know, two smalls and one medium or whatever. So then they're always out of the size I need. So then I have to buy it online. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is they say, would you like free pickup at the store to buy this one item? Mm. Or would you like to have it shipped for a fee? And so you go, oh, well, I need to pick it up. And so you have to go pick it up. Yeah. And then what do you do when you go pick up? You do more shopping. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I am in this constant buy, return, buy, return. Because then half the shit that I order online, it comes and like there'll be a stain on the pillow that I ordered. Or there'll be like, it'll like be damaged in some way or it won't fit or because I don't get to try it on. And so I'm just you like, think that... A- they're purposely not stocking the stores. Yes, to encourage yeah. people to go online, buy stuff, and then have to do this this return to the store. Like so, for every one trip that people attempt to make, they get two or three trips out of them. Wow, I'm convinced, Conspiracy. and this is the first year I've noticed it. I know what you're saying. It's, acro- yeah, it's across the board. It's at Nordstrom. It's at it's everywhere I go. And then they're like, "Well, we can ship this to your house." We can, you know, and I'm like. No, because I'm going to have to come by and pick it. You know, it's like they give you the option. You pay for it so you don't have to go in there and spend more money or ship to store for free. Right, you know, right, I just right. just like, wow, this is weird. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like. Do you have a long and, list? Ugh. Do you buy a ton of stuff? I just have a lot. We still have a lot of um, uh, relatives that are in that fun gift buying age. You know, like Landon's little sisters and his nephew. Oh, right. And. You know, even my brothers and, well, they're a little oh older, my God. but still. I am like- so sorry to interrupt you, but I've just yeah. thought of something and I can't wait to tell you. Please, when you please. Said, <laughs> when you said nephew, it reminded me, um, I was in, when I was in Pittsburgh, I went over to my sister Renee's house and uh-huh. her husband is a nurse. And he was telling me, because I was asking a lot about the... Um, the shooting at the synagogue that happened because, oh, yeah. you know, oh my God, yes. it's so terrible. And would you believe my, he, the, my brother-in-law treated the shooter? Oh my God. And he what? was, he, cause he's a nurse in the ER and the shooter was brought to the hospital and they had to oh treat him for the um, gunshot wounds. And he, um, at one point vomited on oh. another one of the male nurses I don't know why I just said male nurses. That's like accidental sexism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he happened to be a Jewish man, a Jewish nurse. Mm-hmm. And the shooter mm-hmm. doesn't know that, but the shooter apologized for vomiting oh on God. him. And after he's just killed 11 or 12 people that day. Oh Can you God. believe like the talk about? No, I, I couldn't crossed. do it. I couldn't be an. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to. I don't know how he worked on him. Why? Right. It would be really hard for me. I mean, I know they take that oath and that whole thing, you know, and yeah. oh gosh, I was like, this is the same. What was he like? Oh. And he just was like, he was like a normal white guy. Literally, that's, that's the only description. Like, there's nothing to say. He was just like a normal white guy. And then. So what do they do when he's in the hospital? Do they have him like. They have guards and handcuffed stuff. Handcuffed to the bed. I don't know about yeah. handcuffs, but they definitely have guards and guns and oh my God, all that that's stuff. so freaky. And then the crazy part is my nephew Grant is a physical therapist and he mm. is treating the victims. Oh my God. The and whole family is I so know. it's like 
and they're I, involved. I thought, what Sue's, a fascinating. I'm so sorry. It's just so interesting to me that like in the, it's a beautiful thing actually that, you know, we have this system mm-hmm. in place that treats, if you have an injury, you're going to get the care that you need, um, hopefully, yeah. but it goes the same for the victims and the shooter. It's just crazy oh to me. And then just the, the, um, incongruity of the shooter's mind where he's just killed yeah. a bunch of people, shot up a synagogue and he's apologizing to a nurse for vomiting. It's just oh, crazy. You know what the weird thing though, is it's almost like, Hmm. One he could control and one he couldn't control. Mm. You know, it's like one was his choice and one wasn't. And I feel like he's more apologizing for, like, I don't think this guy is filled with empathy. Like, but if, I don't know. It's so it feels... you would be less inclined to apologize for something yeah. you couldn't help. But of course. Right. Oh, I dude, just can't get I it out of my even, head. Ugh. No, I can't. I, I, I couldn't imagine how you could. It's, and then just to have that in your hometown where, you know, I know you talked about how you visited that church and how, or not church synagogue and how you, you know, could have easily known people who were going there or whatever, like you're in that world and it would just, it's like, well, and it's particularly, it becomes very real. Oh, especially when it's a hate crime directed at a very specific group of people. And I read this article that really made me think it was about how at, on that day, you know, how Facebook does the thing where you can mark yourself safe. Well, a a Jewish gal wrote an article saying how offensive she felt that it was that Gentiles were marking themselves safe, like non-Jews. Oh, I think so too. And how it's like, uh, we know you're safe. You weren't at temple. You know, like yeah, I don't like that, and I just yeah. had never even thought about it, like how that would bother me as well if I were her. Well, and anytime people do like sweeping, um, you know, like statements like "Oh, we have to protect all people" or "All," mm-hmm. like no, dude, it was us that had that. Like, no, come on. I don't know. I just, I totally get that. Me too. That would make me mad. Yeah. And she was like, uh, we know you're not Jewish. This was a hate crime. It wasn't like a natural disaster. Oh, you're fine. (laughs) It's like, could you imagine? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. I totally hijacked your, uh, Christmas, lovely Christmas story of presents to tell you my terror. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I started with venting about Christmas, so that's true. We'll keep mine was just going to be more complaints. (laughs) More complaints about like, oh God, I mean, I like, I'll share, I'll add one more to the list that I need you (laughs) to side with me and share in my frustration with. Okay. So, you know, when you're paying in cash and say your total is $5 and 86 cents. Yes. And I give you $5 and... 90 cents Mm -hmm. so that you give me less pennies back or even i give you like i give you over the amount so that you you give me yeah like so then i give you a nickel you know like you'll give an extra penny and then i give four pennies sure oh my gosh what are you mad about it's like they can't understand what i'm telling them They don't understand. Like I I had this moment. This has happened three times so far in my Christmas shopping experience. 
It's like they're hiring new people for retail that are like just seasonal employees who maybe don't have experience working in retail. They're generally younger. And three times I have given them, you know, whatever the change is, I'll give them the amount of change so they can give me a dollar bill back. And it's like they, I've had to explain to them. They're like, I, I can't, I already opened the register. I already typed in that price. I'm like, I understand that, but I'm going to give this to you and it'll be the exact same watch. And I have to like finish the transaction and then say, okay, now here's this oh, change in no, my hand. Sarah. I'm going to hand this to you and you're going to give me a dollar. And the people behind me in line are like rolling their eyes. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they're not getting this. And I'm looking at them like, please back me up here. You know, like. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I just have to let it go. I think it's because most people don't pay with cash, so they don't have as much experience with making changes like they did back when I was on the register. <laughs> right. But then when somebody does do something like that, like does surprise me with their amazing ability yes. to, you know, like turn a return into a single transaction rather than yeah, two, like or they're like, oh, I know what we can do. We can just beep, boop, 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 like little workarounds. <laughs> I'm always like, thank you. You are going places. This is not the end of the line for you. You are definitely, you have managerial potential. Big things happening for you. Big things. Huge. That's how I feel. When you're out there doing like your winter uh, sort of holiday shopping, you might want to hydrate. And if you do, you're going to need liquid IV. Am I right? Oh, that's going in my brother Lucas's stocking. Shout out to oh, Luke. Oh, it's a great stocking stuffer. Yeah, and it fills up a lot of space and they're, you know, <laughs> individual, so they fit in any size stocking. These are little packets that have electrolyte drink mix in them. You throw them in your water and you'll get the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water. Great for holiday party recovery, if you know what I mean. A little champagne situation. Great for travel. Oh, oh. <laughs> great for winter de- dehydration. Like everybody's sick right now. Everybody's like, you know, under the weather. This is a great thing for um, staying hydrated and keeping keeping those vitamins because it has vitamin C, all that stuff in there. Yes. Um, and or if you're just working out like a normal person, we love Liquid IV. We know you will too. Right now, our listeners get twenty percent off at liquid-iv.com when you use our code Brain at checkout. That's twenty percent off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquid-iv.com and enter promo code Brain to get your savings and start getting better hydration. That's liquid-iv.com promo code Brain. Don't wait to get hydrated today. I went and got a facial the other day, oh. and oh my god, it was the coolest. Oh, it was real nice. Landon recognized that I had been like, like running around like a crazy person yeah. and really needed just like time to myself. And so uh, he was like, you better get a facial or like, look at this amazing husband I have, like, or a massage. And if I don't see that charge on the credit card, you are going to be in trouble. And Whoa. I was like, ooh, like sexy trouble? Like, ooh, what is this <laughs> right. But uh, uh, I was like, I've never been in trouble. I'm a bad girl. <laughs> But uh, that's not the point. Uh, the point was I went to go get it, and I had never done this before, but they had this really cool machine where you put your face into this uh, like black oh box my with a little God. hood over it, and the lights go on, and it shows you what your, yeah, your skin look. looks like under ultraviolet light. And there were some big, dark circles around my eyes, and she's like, that's dehydration. Mm. And you bet your ass I ran right home, and I was like, I'm liquiding IVing up for the next week. Like what? I finally saw it, and I was like, ooh. I can't That's believe not good that. Looking. What else was going on with you? Uh, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought mm. it was going to be. It was just like some, some. Uh, oh my God, this I have to share because this I thought was like a genius 
piece of advice that was worth every penny just for this little tidbit. Uh, so I've been breaking out along my like chin and underneath my like yeah, like my my chin area, like the and um, but not like the bottom of my chin, like between my lip and my chin. And uh, she asked me if I use if I brush my teeth after I wash my face or after I take a shower in the morning. And I said, yes. And so I've been brushing my teeth and I'm like not very diligent about wiping all like, wow, it's basically the tooth. It's the toothpaste that's doing that to me. No, it's like the, I'm not washing my face enough after I brush my teeth and toothpaste amazing for brushing your teeth. Not so good uh, on your skin all day, especially if you have like, it's like saliva with it because it's like the bacteria that's on my toothbrush (gasps) and you know, or like whatever I just brushed out of my mouth and I'm supposed to be spitting up that I get on my chin and then I just like wipe off with my hand or with the tissue. And she's like, no, you need to wash your face after you brush your teeth and that'll clear up. This is the case in about 90% of the people I see with acne in this area. That is crazy. I know. And I'm like, oh my God, what a great piece of advice. I'll do that. Easy. And I've been doing that for the last like four days and I, maybe I noticed a difference. I can't, I, I'm shocked, actually. Me too. Wow. Well, huh, It, like, yeah. dries it out and, you know, like toothpaste is supposed to do. And uh, it causes your skin to, like, produce more oil and it gets all clogged there. So, yeah, wash your face after you brush that your That is teeth. a good tip. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to tell you. I'm trying to choose what I want to tell you. Mm-hmm. Did you know that on Shark Tank, changing the subject, yeah, yeah, the pe- yeah, yeah. the um, pitchers, whatever you would call them, the people that want to oh. s- get funding, have to see a psychiatrist after. <gasps> no matter what happens on the show, they have to go at, or directly from the pitch to a see a psychiatrist. Dude, okay, here are my questions. Yes. Is it a psychiatrist specifically? That is the word that was used, but maybe they're using <laughs> it, you know, incorrectly. Because I would imagine it would be a yeah. psychologist, actually. Yes, because I feel like the psycho- even a psychologist and a psychiatrist are not trained in like relational or like um, – it's not like talk therapy. It's more like diagnostic and, you know, for fine – like, you know, I guess more serious mental disorders. But often they don't give a full hour. It's like 15 minutes. So I wonder who what, – like what – and I only know this because when I tried to get therapy after mm-hmm. uh, all that went down on the show, they kept, the person that they have who did the um, mental health evaluations before is a psychologist or psychiatrist, and they straight up told me, I don't really do therapy. I can just refer you to somebody and I'm just more of like a consultant or diagnostic, you know, whatever. And Well, I'm sure like, to a certain extent this is a cover your ass type thing by the production yeah. company. However, a lot of shows don't do like it that. and I think it's better than nothing. And it was talking about how um, the pitches usually take about an hour, which, you know, you see five minutes wow. of. And yes. it one guy I think on the air fainted. And, you know, I'm not surprised. These are just regular people who, I mean, their whole life could change from it. And they were saying 20% of the pitches don't even make the air, don't ever get aired on TV because, you know, they have to pick the best ones. Yeah. And man, they want to make sure 
even if it was like a happy ending and you got exactly what you wanted, they still have to like do a debriefing kind of thing. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that they do. I think more companies, I think maybe they should lead the way on like pave the way for this kind of stuff. Well, we should all, they should do that on every show. I don't understand why they don't do that on the bachelor when they lose and they're all having fucking meltdowns. Yeah. And so you as a viewer, I'm sure you understand that they film it and then there's a gap and then it airs later, but you don't think of that. And these people will go back to their life and it's not on TV yet. And then all of a sudden the episode airs and everything changes. You really do need to be prepared for that. I mean, you could never really be prepared, but, and the showrunner on that is Clay Newbill, who is the guy who cast me on my original season. What? And I really love him. That's so cool. And I've been really struck by like those original people that worked in reality from the start um at how they do seem to be responding to like the need for counseling and things like that yeah not all of them but oh some my of god them. i'm super happy that they're starting to do that and i think it will only be a matter of time until that becomes like you know the, the norm. norm yeah and they're gonna see yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. not just in like a cover your ass kind of way either like in just yeah. a real concern yeah. for human beings who you're making millions yeah. of dollars off. <laughs> right. For goodness sakes. I, Ugh. uh, have, we have a guest today, by the way. Oh, exciting. Um, I didn't even know. Before I introduce her, I just want to, um, say that if you do have acne, like Sarah was talking about, um, and you're having trouble with your skin that BioClarity is such a great option for a routine skincare. Um, they ha- it's a three-step thing, and they have uh, masks as well, which I'm really enjoying using the masks. In fact, I had a makeup artist do my makeup the other day, and she goes, I can tell you take really good care of your skin. <gasps> she, goes, you, she goes, you get facials all the time. And I'm like, I never do. I just use my routine religiously, and it's really paying <sighs> off. Um, it's amazing. It really is. It's They have a clear skin routine, an essentials routine, and then they have the clarifying mask and the hydrating mask. And these are made with natural ingredients, and they're not abrasive on your skin. So that redness and sort of, um, you know, the thing where it irritates your skin when you're trying to make it look better, that doesn't happen. Get started on healthier habits with your skincare. Just go to bioclarity.com. And now when our listeners purchase a skincare routine, they're going to get a free clarifying mask with their order. So that's a $24.95 value for free, plus shipping is always free. And it comes with 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. But you need to enter our code BRAINCANDY, a full skincare routine and a free clarifying mask when you use our code BRAINCANDY, bioclarity.com, and enter code BRAINCANDY. Um, Our guest today is an author named Alethea Black, who wrote a wonderful memoir called You've Been So Lucky Already. And she is so cool because her dad was this famous, fancy mathematician who, you know, won like probably friggin' every award you can win and like published in all these (laughs) fancy journals and stuff like that. And she was more of like her, you know, like a creative type person. She wasn't a math Mm. brain. And so she talks a lot about their relationship. He passed away and what that did to her as a person. And then she describes um, a journey she took, which we talk a lot about on this show, which is where she knew that something was wrong with her and no doctor would believe her. 
Oh my gosh, that's so, so common. Yeah. Where you'll be like, no, seriously, I'm not okay. And they're like, you know what? It's, <sighs> you know, you just need more sleep or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so it's about that journey as well. And I love memoirs, but this reads um, like a memoir, but also like a, a novel because it's just, just fun. It's a page turner. Now I'm dying to know what she was suffering from. Yes, you have to read it. And um, right. she was so fun to interview as well because she's a character and she told me some funny stories about her work. So I think you'll enjoy that. Um, and pick up her book. You've been so lucky already. Let's welcome Alethea Black to the show. First of all, congratulations on your book. How are you feeling? Thank you so much. I feel good. Do you feel like it's a relief? It's out and people can consume it? You know, it's always a relief when it's finally out because you can't refine it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, you get all the, with writing, there's just long stretches of work with no reward and yeah. then you sort of get the reward all at once you almost wish you could parcel <laughs> it, it out <laughs> yeah are you a person that when you're writing and editing that you're you never feel like you're done like you could always do more to it you know i heard once that tobias wolf even after he has stories that are anthologized and win <laughs> awards he will still edit them yeah <laughs> And I was kind of impressed by that because it's true. You, I, I'm always a little bit conflicted because on the one hand, if you see something that could be better, why not yes. fix it? But on the other hand, you sort of feel like that was a snapshot yeah. of, of your vision in time. And maybe your vision has shifted a little bit, but that was true to its moment. Yes. So I would probably, I would probably fix grammatical things, but not substance itself. Yeah. Cause it would feel to me like a haunting, like I would just be all the time picking at it. So I would almost have to close the door on the book if I were you. Yes. Well, at this moment in time, are you getting feedback? Do you feel like people are receiving it? Well, I love the book, by the way. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Are you thank feeling you. like you're getting the feedback that you expected? You know, it's um, it's always a mystery how yeah. a book is going to be received. And I was so happy when it was reviewed in the New York Times um, a couple weeks ago. That was that was incredible. And then, but that's that's the kind of thing that you want, you know, that's like a life uh, yeah. goal, but really more um, meaningful, I guess, on a personal level is when I get emails from people, especially with a book like this, where it was deal the second half deals with some health issues. Yes. So I get a lot of very personal emails from mm -hmm. people talking about their own um, health journeys. And that's, you know, it's, it kind of different. It's such a personal and small experience compared to the, the times, but mm. it's, it, you feel it more or I do. Yeah. I can only imagine. I, I felt like when I was reading it, my co-host and I talk a lot about that experience where oftentimes women go and report symptoms to their physicians and aren't believed or it's dismissed. And I think a lot of people could relate to your journey in that way. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not just that, but there's so many people nowadays who have had to sort of 
become co-partners with their doctors or even just do even just branch out on their own and research and and read and learn and um all of those people have been i i have already been in contact with right because they were part of they they partly helped write the book <laughs> when i was it was when I was going through all of these things that I was already in conversation with a lot of people who have started to look at human health on their own. Mm. And so, of course, they are giving me um, feedback, too. So that's been nice. Why did you choose to share this such, you know, such a personal story? Was it scary at all or was it a no brainer? You know, I, I just got an email um, a couple of weeks ago from someone in Hong Kong and she said, I want to write um, a memoir about my childhood in Vietnam. What is your memoir writing advice? <laughs> and I just gave her like six little ideas. But the first one was to write about what's emotional in your life and choose scenes that are emotionally taught. And I think that that, and I do think that that's the number one thing. So yes, in a sense, these were the moments where I, that where I was most vulnerable, and some of them were the most painful. But then they kind of opened the door for the most joyful moments mm. or the most thankful. So you have to be sort of fearless. You know what I did not see coming? I did not see your religious experiences coming down the pike. <laughs> I was like, what? Where did this come from? Is that what you felt like at the time? I did. I was um, not inclined to be um, such a devout believer, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't really locate authority outside of myself. And that was part of hmm. what the health journey was, was learning to relocate it inside myself. And of course, once you locate your authority inside yourself, you locate your power inside yourself as well. And I, I attribute that to in large part to how I was able to heal. So wow. then the idea of being a daily Catholic mass goer is like, what? But, <laughs> but I've always, but, but in that realm, as in all of the realms, I just sort of trust my heart and I don't go for the things that I don't, that don't resonate with me and that I don't believe. And so it's just, for me, it's just all about the love Aww. and I, that, and religion should be all about the love and I only take the love parts. I like it. that. I did appreciate that. Cause I feel like I took the opposite journey. I used to be super uh, religious and then I discarded it when I got mm -hmm. my PhD in religious studies. So oh, yeah. you took the opposite route, but I, I feel did. like we almost ended at the same point in a way. I think, yes, <laughs> I, I totally hear you. And that, makes, <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense. When you were at, so you went to Harvard, you're super fancy, but like you're this person that doesn't match the stereotype. Do, do you feel like you're a contradiction in a lot of ways, or is that just what I project upon you? I love that. I'll own that term any day. <laughs> I think that what makes human beings cool is all our contradictions. I love to write about people with contradictions. Um, that makes for a nice tension in a story is if you have someone who is 
partly one thing and partly another. Um, I One of the things that has saved me from the whirlwind of when a book first comes out is just working on the next book. Yeah. Um, just putting your head down and getting to work again. And so the next book that I'm working on is a novel about a woman who's taking care of her mom who has Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. That's going to be great. <laughs> thank you. I'm so excited um, already. Oh, thank you. And as it turns out, I am taking care of my mom who has Alzheimer's. Oh, and wow. um, one of the scenes that I was just working on recently, in fact, was the she lives in an apartment in Santa Monica and her next door neighbor may or may not be a porn star. <laughs> and she's captivated um with this character whose name is amber because in some ways she was like her opposite but but in some ways not mm. and that that contradict and they end up becoming friends and so that um tension and contradiction but affection is what really drives their friendship and i'm so bummed because the character that it was based on just moved out of the apartment so <laughs> i was like wait a minute come but, back uh, um, <laughs> i mean frankly all of our neighbors could or may or may not be adult porn star we don't know we don't know we don't know <laughs> we don't know and it was interesting because when i was First, we, we, we sh our patios are next to each other with just a railing in between them. And when I first um, asked her what, you know, what, what she was interested in life, what she did, she, she said she worked in the dole industry. <laughs> and so I was thinking she was an accountant. Stop like, it. Wow, this, is a, this is a very fit accountant. <laughs> this is the best story ever. <laughs> she was in her in her shorts and her, I was like, wow. Um, but no, she had a southern accent and I had I had misheard adult as dull. That is so great. And then mm. when did it click? It clicked. You know, we continued chatting and she said so she said something where it became clear that it was not accounting. That she was talking about. <laughs> did you reveal that you misunderstood to her? I didn't. I didn't because I was, I was, I didn't know how she would feel about having, maybe she would have taken it as a compliment. Girl, that that's was... the opposite of a dull industry. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that that's the book that you are working on because I thought, I really felt like this book teed you up for a sequel, like part two of the memoir. Well, the, okay. So Full reveal, Susie gets the inside scoop. <laughs> um, I have a book that is sort of the sequel. And, it, and you know how in this book where it speaks sort of briefly about her life as a proofreader for a business magazine? Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I worked for 13 years as a proofreader for Business Week. And I wrote a short novel about a proofreader for a business magazine who's been missing her dead father. And of course there's a lot of, a lot about my dad in this book too. Um, who's been missing her dead father when a stranger at grand central station hands her a key. And it's, um, it's a little bit, it's sort of a Christmas novel because it's short. So it's a novel length book, but a novel, if you were watching a novel as a movie inside your head. Yes. Um, so, so 
I don't know if my agent is going to move forward with that one and come on the heels of the memoir because that, even though it's a quote unquote, not, uh, as you can right. tell, I derive a lot of my material. <laughs> <laughs> Whether what, what we call it in terms of genre is somewhat fluid, but um, I don't know if she's going to move forward with that, which would follow on logically from the memoir in terms of content or maybe mix it up a little and go with the mother daughter story and then come yeah. back and, and pick up the thread. All right. So, well, either way know. I'm on board. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Whatever you got cooking. I do. I want to talk about the, the dad relationship because as I was reading your story, my dad passed away. So I was like talk, thinking a lot about that, the relationships oh. of parents and kids and, um, and your, your father passes away in the book. And I'm just wondering, well, when you wrote about it, would you write anything different now or is it the same as what you wrote down? Well, first I'm sorry about your dad. I'm sorry about your dad. Um, what was his name? What Paul. was his first Paul. Um, well, God bless him. The, <laughs> with, with this... I would, I haven't really changed um, what I would write about him because that's the, that's the sad thing about memory is that it's so static, right? Mm. You know, my impressions of him aren't really being added to at this point. Um, but I used to dream all the time about him and he would speak to me in dreams and you know typically the dead don't often speak in dreams which i found so interesting because when my sister when my younger sister was pregnant with twins um it was a really difficult pregnancy and i had wanted wanted to be there for the birth and i planned to be there for the birth but then she had preeclampsia eclampsia mm. and they had to just go in there and it just all, all of a sudden she was you know, going to be giving birth that night. And I was still in New York and I couldn't get there to California. And I was walking to my car and I was so sad. Um, and I just had this sense of him telling me that it was okay, but in sign language, what? He, I, was like, I was like, why is my dad like using sign language? I just had this, this image of him signing that she was giving birth and that it was okay. Wow. And I thought that was so strange. And, and then I thought, Oh, this is, this is more what people must speak of when they say the dead don't speak in dreams. But it was unusual for me because typically when I dreamed about him, he would talk. Um, so that has sort of faded, you know, he died 23 years ago. <sighs> and I had that more when I was in your phase. Yeah. Right. I see what you're saying. And I had just, I still had the echo of him, you know, on me, but I don't, I don't have so many of those. Yeah. Rings okay. That makes sense. Do you see him reflected in you? I know you guys are so different, but do you see him in you at all? Um, you know, I, I, I almost feel like it would be my honor to have somebody oh see 
him and me. He was a lot smarter. <laughs> um, he was a lot more punctual. He was extremely candid. Um, I mean, his everyone said he was perhaps the most honest person they had ever known. And I do strive for honesty. You know, my name is the Greek word for truth. And I do strive for candor. I mean, for um, punctuality. Oh, the other thing is punctuality. My gosh, he was on time or early. Yeah, I'm all for that. What are you doing? It's it's, that drives me crazy. When (laughs) why are you late? Okay. Okay. So you're in the Fisher Black camp because <laughs> the Aletheia Black camp is like, what? Five minutes doesn't even <laughs> count. Hurry. First of all, and second of all, I live in Los Angeles. There's, I should be given like a 20 minute buffer. Just given. People like you drive me crazy because I live in I, LA, so I give myself like hours of time to get anywhere. Oh my god, I'm here too. We should hang. <laughs> no, because you'll be late. You won't show up. No. It's true. I need to, you know what? I actually need to get better about this because I think that if I can just turn the corner, what I would love is to have that cushion of, of, uh, for some reason, it's like, I don't want to be early. You know, I never plan to be late, but somehow I just, I just don't want to be early. It's like that dead time of, it just feels like just a dead zone of waiting, oh. of waiting for some, but of course then it's not cool because then you're making the other person so, <laughs> in the dead zone. Right? So what I would love to do is just reframe that sense of being early as like some treat. Like, oh, now I get to, you know, read that article that I wanted to read, but I couldn't because when I'm at home and I've got my computer, yes. I was like I should be working. Yes. But I feel like you're making progress. This is good. Yes. Thank you. Just in the way I'm thinking about it right now, it's better, right? Yes. It's improving. You're having a good influence. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> okay. Here's what I want to know. I want to know about this title. You've been so lucky already. Tell me why you say that. Mm. You know, the book was not originally titled that. <gasps> what was it? Uh-huh. It was called The Lonely Girl's Guide to the Cosmos. Oh, that's cute. That, like that. that was the title it was sold under. And that's the um, final story in the suite of stories about my life is called that. And we submitted and sold it under that title. But then my editor, who's a genius, hmm. Laura Vanderveer, um, can't, isn't that a great name too? Yeah, She's right. A heroine in in a space movie. Um, <laughs> she she came back and said, um, "Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna change. Well, not we're gonna. Would you mind um, if we change the title? I pulled this line from one of your stories, and you know when you when you're working on a book, sometimes you internalize the title so much." that you don't, you can't really picture it called anything else, but I'm not like that. This had already happened with my book of short stories. And I said, no problem. Really? (laughs) No problem. You can change it. And so she pulled that, she pulled this line from um, a story where I was, it was one of the stories when I'm a 20 something in Manhattan and having misadventures and I haven't really found my way or found myself yet. And I was at one of those, um, markets, outdoor markets, street markets, and there was a gypsy who had a tent with 
moon rock rings and different gemstones and I'm sure tarot cards and that kind of thing. And she was, she wanted to sell me a moon rock ring and she said, Mm -hmm. it's lucky. And I said, oh, good. I could use a little luck. And she held up a mirror and said, but you've been so lucky already. Mm-hmm. It's true, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I hadn't really um, thought of it that way. She shifted my mm. thinking in, in one second flat. Do you feel lucky now or do you feel lonely? That is a great question, <laughs> especially because of the shift that the title took from the word lonely to the word lucky. Um, I guess I feel both. I feel much more lucky than, than lonely on the whole, but, um, but I still, you know, lately there's been this, these kind of sweet lonely moments where I was in the coffee shop yesterday and it's been a little bit of a struggle with my mom this week. And so I was just sitting there with my laptop and all the other people were there with their laptops. And I just kind of wish whispered under my breath. I was like, you guys are my real family. And so it's like a, it's like alone, but connected at the same Mm. time. Yes. Which is really the perfect metaphor for when you have a book come out, right, right. When the book (laughs) comes out, right. Because people are reading to you and they're writing to you and it's like redeeming all of those solitary moments when you were putting the work into it. Oh, that's great and hopeful. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things I really love about you as written in the book is how you always believed yourself. Like when you had the, the health issues, you know, you didn't seem to question whether, I mean, you had moments of like, what's going on here, but I feel like you believed yourself. Is that accurate? That is, that may be the most, that may be the most insightful thing. I think it was my intuition, um, my believing of myself that really saved me because I didn't, I wasn't, and I don't know where that comes from fully. Mm. I don't fully, a lot in large part, probably from my dad, who was an iconoclast and he just didn't, um, he was very intuitive and, and very inwardly driven, but I, I did that, that part of me became very strong when I was sick. And when they tried to say, you know, you, your digestive system and your nervous system are not working because you have anxiety. I just said, no, mm. I have anxiety because my digestive system and my nervous system are not working. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I think that that's a shift that people have not fully made yet, yeah. right? We, when they feel disempowered, when they um, excessively submit and just, because that's the default position a lot of times, right? If if doctors can't figure out what's wrong, oh, let's just give, give them an antidepressant, just put them on anti-anxiety mm-hmm. drugs. Mm-hmm. And I just knew there was something physically wrong with me because I knew, you know, I was 40 by the time I got sick. So I knew my personality. I knew it wasn't me to be feeling like that. Right. So, and I knew that the pr- problem wasn't that I was deficient in Lexapro. There, I knew there was a real problem. Something was physically wrong. And thankfully, I didn't just, you know, kowtow and, and take a prescription and and go on my way because there really was a root cause. 
And and even after the book ends, you know, I kept researching and kept looking into health and I wound up with this blog. I don't know if you looked at it, where in the Times Review, they link to it and quote from it. Um, it's called Welcome to Heaven, and it looks at human health through the lens of quantum physics. I love it. Because I, so I think we're more than uh, cells and mitochondria. I think we're light. We're, we're light, and we follow light's rules. My God, I wonder what your dad would say. <laughs> You know, he wrote his PhD thesis on physics, and I am no kind of physicist, so it's so spooky and ironic that I wound up getting sick and then looking at health through the lens of physics, because that's so my dad. I love it. I I wish I could have had a million conversations with him about it. That's so cool. We should all be so lucky already, I I should say. That's very, very cool. Um... We have one question we'd ask everybody at the end, which is, um, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Oh, hmm. that's a great question. <laughs> I have a <laughs> it's great. I have some jumper cables in there. Okay. I have um, a case of glass bottles of water in case I'm in my car when when the earthquake comes. That's but there's not so going to be an earthquake. Of course, there isn't going to be any kind of anything like that. <laughs> but should there be, should there be, I've got some like um, water. I've got some little bit of flashlighty roadside assistance, you know, matches and tweezers. Wow. <laughs> tweezers. Some kind of emergency kit. I don't even remember what's in there. <laughs> but you're Apparently. ready, whatever it is. Apparently, I thought I would need some tweezers for the apocalypse. <laughs> Your eyebrows have to look good. This is important. You have priorities. <laughs> but some kind of little, there's a, like an emergency pack in there. And then just some, oh, some dog. I was going to say, I know you mm-hmm. have dog stuff. Yeah, there's dog stuff in there, I'm sure. Some dog pee-pee pads and yes. toys. I love that. That is so fitting. It The trunk question is always fitting of wherever you are in your life, we think. It's so true. Um, I'm gonna ask that I'm gonna ask that on dates from now on. <laughs> what yeah. is in the trunk of your car? It's always alarming to me when people say nothing. Like that's the worst because I'm like, what? Yeah. Like their soul no, might I'm be empty sh- too. I'm not sure that I would know what to do with nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, at least some jumper cables. Yeah, anything. A sweater? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I got a couple sweaters back there. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot that. Got a couple sweaters. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe a parka, too, because what if you get stranded and then you can't get back and then it's, like, cold? Yeah. It concerns me when a person doesn't say what if, and that's what it is if you have nothing back there. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. my theory. <laughs> I really do think we could hang. If I could figure out how to be on time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available. I'm available. So you just let me know. And I'll just show up like a few minutes later than I normally would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the hook. I just hope everyone reads the book and enjoys it as much as I did because there's so much there, and but it's so enjoyable to read. So congratulations mm-hmm. to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we will let you know whenever we post this. And I just hope you keep getting great feedback. Thank you. Thank you. This has been my best um, 
chat. Oh, good. I ha- mm-hmm. I mean, ha- maybe the bar was set low. Who knows? But <laughs> it was a well, pleasure. All the other ones were just between me and the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your week gets better, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you so much, Susie. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.